This podcast is brought to you by Voice and Vision, bringing help, hope, and healing to individuals, families, and communities affected by mental illness, addictions, and disabilities in southeastern Pennsylvania. Financial support for this podcast is provided by a Veterans Trust Fund grant from the Pennsylvania Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. Welcome to Untold Valor, a podcast with a unique focus on veterans, featuring stories of courage, recovery, perseverance, and strength. Listen to hear veterans share their perspectives on what it's like to battle mental health challenges, combat addictions, and overcome other adversities unique to those who have served. It's time for another edition of the podcast. It's Untold Valor. And as part of the uh, conversation we've been having here this month, we're talking a little bit about advocacy uh, and maybe the legal side of some things. And so we've got a very special guest here, uh, Richard A.J. Preble Esquire. He is a supervising attorney of the Veterans Advocacy Project at Legal Aid of Southeastern Pennsylvania. He's going to be talking with us about that. So welcome in, Richard. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And of course, Reverend Ben's here with me as well. Reverend Ben, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Excited for another episode. Absolutely. So, uh, Richard, let's get into this conversation again. We're kind of making the focus this month on the podcast around advocacy. And so I want to just kind of start with a little bit about you uh, and and really what's going on with this project, which I believe you helped establish, correct? Uh, Yeah, I did. So Legal Aid of Southeastern Pennsylvania, uh, as an organization, serves the four counties outside of Philadelphia. So Bucks, Chester, Delaware, Montgomery counties, providing much needed civil legal services to individuals experiencing housing and income insecurity. We work with individuals in the areas such as landlord tenant, mortgage foreclosure, public benefits, custody, domestic violence, social security, and some consumer matters. Mm. Our veterans unit was founded back in 2020 uh, to provide wraparound legal services for veterans in our community, specifically assisting with applications and appeals of VA benefits and discharge upgrades, as well as some social security matters. Our veterans unit also runs a helpline uh, dedicated uh, to veterans so that any veteran can call us um, and talk to one of our staff about their legal matter so that if we can assist, we can complete an intake, open a file. And in addition to the four counties that we serve, uh, through a partnership with another um, organization, the Veterans Multi-Service Center, we serve an additional 16 counties in central and northern Pennsylvania, assisting individuals there with VA benefits um, and discharge upgrade matters. Legal Aid is one of the only full-time legal service providers with a dedicated veterans unit in our service area and only one of two in the entire state of Pennsylvania. Wow. They're ensuring access to, to legal services, to civil legal services, income-stabilizing advocacy uh, through VA service-connected or pension benefits or Social Security. Legal Aid has been able to help stabilize housing for veterans in crisis. We work a lot of the time with individuals who are low-income, with individuals who are experiencing or at risk of experiencing um, homelessness. I gotcha. That's fantastic. Uh, and so you've been doing this for a couple of years now, working through this, helping folks. What you know, kind of what is the 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 main, I guess, focal point that you that you guys often encounter? Is it around homelessness or or income security that uh, veterans are struggling with? Yeah. So, I mean, the individuals that we primarily work with, it is um, obtaining income. Uh, we generally work a lot with uh, like with our partners, the Veterans Multi-Service Center or the Community Action Agency of Delaware County. 
Uh, we work with individuals who are at risk of homelessness or, or who are experiencing literal homelessness. Hmm. So one of the big things that we do is work with these partners to be able to help individuals get that income uh, and then hopefully get housing through one of our partners. We don't help them obtain that housing. But for example, I, I worked with a veteran um, who was staying at one of the shelters on the Coatesville VA Medical Center campus. And in talking with him, it was very clear that he was not able to work. Okay. And so I, I worked with him. He was already receiving VA benefits. He wasn't rated at 100%, but him and I worked together and we were able to increase um, his VA benefits to 100%. Um, and he was able to get social security um, as well. We applied for social security and he got that. So he went from about $1,500 a month to almost $5,000 a month um, in income. Wow. So he was able to find housing. He was able to work with the people at the VA to find housing and then focus on when he was able to, to move into his new place, he was able to focus on his sobriety, uh, his mental health, as opposed to worrying about where his next paycheck is gonna is is coming from. Uh, so that was that was really important for us as we were working with him to make sure that that he was safe in the place that he was at. That is that's a massive yeah that's incredible. You know, Ben, we talk a lot on the show here a lot about the mental aspects and PTSD and some of the, you know, some of the emotional stuff. Uh, we haven't done a lot of focus there, but that brings up a great point that Richard had. If you're worried about when you're going to eat next, you know, how can you get healthy maybe mentally, right? So fixing some Absolutely. of the financial side can really go a long way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> you, you guys are in stereo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, and it, it Reverend Ben, do you see that sometimes? Do you see when when vets come in to talk with you and, and they're just looking for some, some counseling and uh, someone to talk to that, uh, you know, is the financial concerns, are they just oh, as high sure. as the addiction concerns or, or something like that? Listen, all that and environmental factors involved because if you're dealing with a person and they come to you and you sit there and you may feed them right then and there, and give them encouragement. But when you go home, they go back to the darkness where they where it came from. Mm. So to be able to have an alternative for that person is definitely a motivator for a person to know that they, they're going to a more better environment mm -hmm. other than when they left. And Richard, I think you can attest to that. For sure. And I mean, going off of that point where kind of the, the finance and the mental health kind of play off of each other, uh -huh. I, I was working with a, a veteran who he had applied a couple of times with the VA and he'd been continually denied and seemingly no one really believed the trauma that he experienced in his military service. He was ready to give up. He literally told us after, so we were able to get him benefits. Mm -hmm. um, he got probably around $50,000 in retroactive benefits from the VA. And he told me after that, he was like, you saved my life. Wow. I had a plan and I had intended to carry out a plan of committing suicide before the end of the year. Oh, wow. Jeez. And because of the money, because someone believed him, because he was able to get connected to services, because he was able to have that money to, to live his life and not worry about being evicted, he felt comfortable to continue to, to live. And I, I think that that's such a, it, it's honestly, when he talked to me about that, it wasn't something that I had thought about mm -hmm. as being that 
life-saving that right. that money being that life-saving but it really it made me pause um and really think about what he had said and really realizing that when we hear someone we listen to them we advocate for them we really have the ability to to save their life that's that's wild yeah that would rock me to my core right uh yes. that that someone was that was that close and and you're able to make that impact for them i want to ask you a question and dealing with the uh, benefits, I know often that even myself right now, I'm waiting for benefits, and it's been several years. Do you find that as a barrier in your um, what you do for veterans, that waiting period, or do you do things to expedite that a little bit? So there definitely is a waiting period. We generally try to make sure that when we're submitting claims for veterans, we're submitting them in the most fully developed way possible. Um, I think on average right now, we're probably in the four to five month period of waiting once we submit something to get a decision back from the VA. So obviously if someone's never submitted before, it takes a little longer. If a claim is a little more difficult, it takes a little longer. A lot of individuals who come to us have less than honorable discharges, which brings a whole other uh, level of difficulty uh, to it. But there definitely is uh, that waiting period. Uh, that's one of those things that I, I really like. The VA has a process called an intent to file <laughs> where you can submit this form. And so long as you submit the veteran's application within a year, uh, the date that you submitted that intent to file can be the date of your application. So a lot of times what will happen is someone will come to us and we don't really have enough information at that time to file the claim. And I'm not going to file a claim without all of the information that we that we need uh, to, to be successful. So sometimes right. what we'll do is we'll submit that intent to file to at least preserve that date for our client. And then we'll start collecting records. We'll get medical records, we'll review those, we'll get service records and all of the other things uh, that we need. And then know that we have some time and build a strong case for our clients and then submit that to the VA. So hopefully by the time we submit it, there's less for the VA to have to do so we can get a decision a little quicker. Yeah, you know that you mentioned that, do you also find that, was that my, my personal experience, that often the VA, you know, like some of the people that work there, I'm not trying to badmouth them, don't know their own stuff. <laughs> you know, they don't know their own mandates and things. You have to show them their own literature and teach them. I, I've, I, have you experienced that? I mean, there definitely is a lot of education that's needed throughout the service connected universe. There are so many different statutes and regulations and cases. And I mean, I've been doing this work for probably going on about six years now as a lawyer. I did it as a, a law student for a few years as well. And I teach it. Um, I, I teach a, a class at, at Villanova Law School. But I still don't know everything. There's always new things that I'm learning. There's new things that I'm I'm finding out. So it's extremely difficult to have your mind wrapped around every um, aspect of it. And so I definitely think that there needs to be more education, not just with the VA, but I think with the general veteran community as well about what constitutes a claim. And sometimes that's what a lot of what we do is we're talking with veterans who are like, oh, I have a claim for this. I have a claim for that. And as we talk with them, we're like, but maybe not. And like we kind of talk with them about that. Not to try to say you don't have a claim, but 
to kind of explain that maybe it's a more difficult claim. Maybe it's not one the VA would grant. And so they don't go through the process of waiting if at the end of the day, they're just going to be denied. Maybe they didn't have an injury in service. Maybe something happened after service that's causing the current condition. And so maybe we're able to help them kind of understand because a lot of what we deal with also is frustration with the VA. And trust me, I understand that frustration with the VA. I'm definitely uh, there a lot of times with my clients going through that, but sometimes people don't have claims. And so a lot of what we do is work with individuals to try for those who have claims uh, to really make sure that they are the strongest uh, possible to make sure that they're able to get the benefits that they've earned. Let me let me ask you, Richard, with that. So you said a lot of times people will submit a claim uh, feeling like they're going to be denied or or maybe so is that a, is that kind of a I guess a struggle for many veterans they're like why why bother because they're just going to turn me down again uh, is that something that you see when people come in or is there a way that you can kind of encourage or or help them to reapply or or how does that work yeah so the number of veterans who I I've had a lot of people come to me who have this very negative feeling that the VA is here to deny you. Right. Um, I've had a lot of clients who will say, deny, deny, wait till you die. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I've heard that. And which is a very negative way to look at it. And then I'll talk to them and I'll be like, well, if you have a claim, if there are, if there are, if there's evidence to, to what you're talking about, then we're going to make sure that the VA approves whatever it is. But the important part of that is to submit evidence. And that's a lot of what we uh, what we work on with our clients is pulling together the information that the VA uh, will need. For example, a, a claim uh, based on a PTSD, trying to submit evidence to the VA to explain this is what happened in service. Uh, this is the stressor, the trauma, whatever it may be. And this is how it's impacting my life today. Not everyone does that all the time, or not everyone does it in a way that is going to provide the VA with the most information uh, to be able to grant that benefit. So a lot of the time we're looking at those kind of statements, we're collecting medical records outside of the VA system that the VA does collect, but sometimes we can help them collect those so the process is a little quicker. Um, so a, a lot of what we focus on is evidence gathering to make sure, as as Reverend Ben had said, that we're not waiting uh, that long period of time, but we're getting the information to the VA as as quickly as as possible. Gotcha. So uh, a lot of times we, we offer various different things here on the show. We put up resources and show notes and things of that nature. Uh, is there any, you know, anything you kind of like to place you might not like to direct listeners that go to? And of course, we can put links again in the show notes, but any kind of resources that might be helpful uh, and also just kind of any any kind of final thoughts from your end on, on how to even approach this topic. Because for some veterans, they don't even they don't even bother to or, or they don't know. Right. They just don't know that they can even sure. maybe get some of this help. So in regards to resources, I think the one of the good ones, um, obviously our website is a great place to go. We have a lot of resources there. Um, you can find us at 
lasp.org slash veterans uh, that provides a lot of information um, about what we do at Legal Aid and then some information about uh, veterans benefits and, and discharge upgrades in general. If you are looking for some assistance um, on any legal issue, non-criminal, on any legal issue that you may be having, you can definitely feel free to call us. Our veterans helpline is going to be uh, 610 610- Two eight three zero eight eight four, and I will say in regards to kind of what we do, I think one of the most important things that that we do here at Legal Aid is we work with individuals with difficult claims. And one of the most difficult aspects of a claim, I think, is working with a veteran who has a less than honorable discharge. And when I talk about that, I mean someone with an other than honorable or, or a bad conduct discharge. Okay. And I think one of the the most difficult aspects of benefits is to realize that even with a less than honorable discharge, a veteran could still be eligible for benefits. They should still apply. We have so many people who don't even consider themselves veterans because they have that less than honorable discharge. I before we go, I want to I want to tell you the story about one of my clients. Please, um, yeah. I'll call him Arthur. He was an army veteran who served in the 70s. He received an other than honorable discharge for being AWOL. Uh, Prior to going AWOL, he was struggling with depression and drinking, which worsened after his discharge. Once he got sober, he decided that he wanted to work towards upgrading his discharge and getting access to VA benefits. In 2019, he applied for a discharge upgrade uh, with the Board of Correction for military records. He contended that he was AWOL because of his schizophrenia, which was a result of his military service. And according to his doctors and based on a review of his record, it was quite clear that his symptoms began in service. And uh, according to another psychological report that we obtained, there was a clear nexus between his schizophrenia and the misconduct that led to his discharge. However, these symptomologies were not considered as mitigating factors during his discharge. We ended up assisting Arthur in submitting additional evidence to the board, um, and the board ultimately granted his his upgrade. He was able to go from an OTH uh, to a general discharge. The next step was then to get him access to VA healthcare and compensation. While his discharge upgrade was ongoing, Arthur had requested the VA to reopen a previously denied application for benefits, which VA based on their previous decision from the 70s. So he had applied in the 70s. And then when he reapplied, the VA was like, no, we issued this decision back in the 70s. We're still going to deny your claim. So after his upgrade, instead of trying to fight with the VA on that, because we were able to get the upgrade, we informed the VA of the new discharge, submitted additional evidence requesting expedited processing, and the VA ultimately granted his application for benefits. The VA made a mistake with the effective date, so we filed another appeal on that, got him 17 additional months of benefits. And The VA granted the appeal, corrected the effective date, and because of the discharge upgrade and the work that we did together, Arthur ended up receiving over $80,000 in retroactive benefits from the VA. And I want to point out, no money came to legal aid. Legal aid does not take a cent of the money that goes to our veterans. He went from just barely being able to make ends meet to receiving over $3,500 a month from the VA. Him and his wife were able to live comfortably in their home. And he's able to get treatment at the VA. And what I think that this is important to to talk about is 
because a lot of people feel that they can't go through the VA process if they have a less than honorable discharge without going through that discharge upgrade process. And I always want to pause and say that there are things that the VA is required to do before denying a claim just on a less than honorable discharge. And I think when Reverend Ben was talking about education, when we were talking about education, I think that's one of the most important areas of education that we have and that we can provide because it's so important uh, to make sure that individuals know that just because they have an OTH does not automatically mean they're going to be ineligible for benefits. There are things that we can do. And I hope that people would feel comfortable to talk to people, whether or not it's us, uh, talk to people about what's going on uh, and try to access uh, the benefits that they have earned. That's that's an amazing story. So thank you so much, Richard, for sharing. Thanks for being here and sharing some uh, this conversation, resources, uh, everything today. We certainly appreciate it. Again, that uh, info was lasp.org slash veterans, and we'll put that in the show notes as well for folks to be able to check that out if they'd like to reach out to Richard and uh, his team. Richard, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Great stuff. Great information. We'll have resources on up at the end, as we always do here on the podcast. And so make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you like using uh, so that you can catch in, uh, new stories as well as uh, information and hopefully resources as well. And we'll see you next time here on Untold Valor. You've been listening to Untold Valor by Voice and Vision. We hope you found the information and resources discussed today helpful. As always, thank you for listening and for your support. Remember to stay connected with us through our various social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Don't forget to visit the website, voiceandvisioninc.org. That's voiceandvisioninc.org, where you can sign up for our blog and find free resources and information on upcoming events, webinars, workshops, and get support. You can also access our free help and hope guide for individuals and families struggling with substance use and addiction. If someone you know is struggling, please reach out for help because you and your life matter. Remember, the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is available to you at any time by dialing 988. We are all ambassadors of hope and recovery. And if you want to share your story, please contact us. Copier Corps is also looking for veteran mentor volunteers and veteran participants. To find out more information about Compeer Corps, please call 610-541-0790. That's 610-541-0790. You can find all the links and contact information for the resources mentioned on today's episode by checking the description and the show notes section of your app. Thank you again for tuning in and for your support. Until next time, this has been Untold Valor.